Hello out there. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read some comic books this week. I watched a behemoth of a film. This week we are covering Tom and Jerry. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. Brand new out on HBO, the four-hour epic. And I do mean epic. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> um, I've never watched a four-hour uh, superhero film comprised of six acts and an epilogue. So <laughs> hats off. That's pretty, <laughs> that's, that's kind of that's cool. So here we are. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is the talk of the town. How vastly different this is from the other film. If you don't know anything about, if you know everything about, I hope that we have some new information for you. We'll go down some wild tangents. People such as Gardner Fox, who actually came up with all this way back. Who? Way, way <laughs> back. <laughs> exactly. Lost to time. Buckle in as we start with the development of the film, because that's what most people are covering or you might know about because it was such a right it seems thing. as if here this it is. film came out a few years ago <laughs> and it did yeah and here it is again <laughs> so we'll talk we'll talk about that first and then get into where far far away long ago where it came from because the development of an official justice league film started in 2007 with oh, the God. director i know <laughs> god with uh george miller who did mad max and all those and his critically oh. revered for for such things and he was signed on and then was going to direct it later that year it was super fast tracked got fully cast there's oh there's God. lists of who the theoretical cast members were the one that stuck out to me was army hammer as batman oh interesting and this was also a very young cast because they were thinking okay this is going to become a thing this is going to be a lot of stuff they're going to grow into their characters right and that's that's even army hammer pre social network like I'm right, yeah, that's what I, I mean. Even, yeah, <laughs> a lot of the other names I didn't even recognize because they were so young, or they were just starting in TV or some such thing. Also, a lot of them were Australian because that's George Miller, and that's oh, where cool. they were going to yeah. film. So here comes the first set of complications. They were going to plan it to come out in summer of 2009, but then the 0708 Writers Guild strike happened, right. right? And the project was canceled, and then the options uh -huh. lapsed for the cast. So they had to get all that figured out again. They did it pretty quickly and were ready to film in mid-2008 in Australia to get it out the next really? year. But Warner Brothers was denied a huge tax rebate because the Australian government has certain stipulations to get it if you're filming in Australia. Okay. And they did not fulfill all of those according to them. So the film was then pushed back again and they moved everything to Canada. Whoa. And this is all just in the span of two years trying to get it made for 2009. Right. But by that point, the whole thing is dumped because their whole the context for this, which we all saw, and the new plan that they have, Spider-Man and X-Men had come out. Like Marvel is not really pushing all their stuff, but they're seeing the blood in the water for this type of material. Iron right. Man. Right. Iron Man yeah. had just come out in 2008. So that's that's fresh. The beginning of that Marvel universe is like is happening right now, but nobody yeah. really sees it as the monster it's become now. <laughs> and they see that. And then also The Dark Knight came out in 2008, a DC right. property. So they're like, oh, let's flip around and do our efforts catered to these main hero films, not start with the Justice League, the big thing. Taking a different approach, huh? Yeah. And so, lo and behold, 
the first film that they decide to do is Green Lantern, which came out in 2011, oh. which was a critical and financial <laughs> oh, disaster. God. So they said, well, this is off to a great start. And that is also just completely disowned. <laughs> but what did happen was Christopher Nolan had was doing the Batman stuff. Right, so smash success. And so he had seen this other guy off on the fringes still doing comic book stuff, but not quite in the mainstream. So Zack Snyder is the guy. And he had done 300 and he had done Watchmen. These Watchmen were stylistic. Was 2009. So while they're trying right. to get everything off the ground in Australia still. Uh, <laughs> right. and, and Watchmen had its own drama uh, caught between studios. There's a whole mm. scandal there. It's fascinating. I, anybody who's interested in this kind of stuff that doesn't know about the scandal where the Watchmen movie almost fell apart, uh, I, I recommend uh, looking into that story. And we have also done two episodes, count them, on Watchmen over the oh, years. Yes. So <laughs> check those out. But Christopher Nolan valued this guy, Zack Snyder's sensibilities and uh, said, let's do this thing, Man of Steel, which was the darker take on Superman. And I didn't realize that Christopher Nolan was one of the producers on that. Right. And that came out in 2013. Right. They're thinking, that, you know, okay, wow, everybody loves these Dark Knight movies. Uh, well, maybe he can uh, help rein in this this universe over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there was a sequel that came out instead of they're still trying to get this Justice League idea. But the sequel to Man of Steel was Batman v Superman. Right. And now Zack Snyder is sort of the figurehead of this. And he did an outline for a five film thing, including three Justice League movies following this. So Good that's. Lord. Their new plan, part two, doubled back on from the first time where they're like, okay, well, now let's do the inverse of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we're going to do primarily crossover films with a bunch of people and then the occasional solo film that's set in different points in time but still part of this universe. Okay. So eventually goes back up the chain and becomes this film, which they start shooting in 2016. So do, real quick, do we are so is there any holdover at all between, you know, and I, and I know it all kinds of source material, but how I mean, the it seems as if the George Miller version was so close uh, and and these things, honestly, they felt like they were kind of far apart. But when you're doing these kinds of things, as we just said, the timeline, it's actually they're they're not that crazy far apart how different right. are these are these movies is there any idea of how of like what is is there any holdover from the george miller story i know there were completely different writers and obviously sure. like that's the whole thing with this is my guess Zack is that Snyder's everything with vision. snyder coming in in 2013 is between him and nolan they're really you know changing it up yeah yeah it's a brand new fresh start so the fourth caveat to the plan changing is snyder had to step down or he didn't have to but after his daughter's death joss whedon then took over and oversaw the rest of it because he was like i thought i could just bury myself in work but i my family needs me and i need to yeah. get away from this and so joss whedon who is known now that the marvel stuff is coming in and he did the first two avengers and everybody said oh my god what an amazing changed film forever mm -hmm. He does two months of reshoots, costs $25 million. Usually it's like six to 10 million for this type of thing. Right. And I guess, and all these numbers are all over the place, and this is what most of the internet is bristling at. <laughs> is that, you know, apparently he added 80 new pages to the script, kept only 10% of principal photography. But then, oh, according God. to other sources, you know, like Zack Snyder had done all of it. It was just some VFX stuff where there was more other things, but goes without saying, changed. A lot, a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot. 
This also coincided with the reshoots having to do with filming of the newest Mission Impossible, which then got us that Henry Cavill mustache situation where right. they wouldn't let him shave it because he was on that. So then they, in all the reshoots, they had to do this horrible upper lip CGI that didn't work well for people. So the result of all of that, it becomes the eighth most expensive film ever made. And that's including all inflation oh adjustments. God. And then on the other side of that, it did not break even and in fact lost Warner Brothers $60 million. I mean, looking at the two films, one is four hours and two minutes. The other is right at two hours. Mm -hmm. Which was a stipulation by the studio as part of yeah, all of these Yeah, that's a studio mandate. And then secondary, they go, Joss, make it like Avengers Ultra. <laughs> and <he> did. Somebody <laughs> and he said did. that was yeah. a good idea. <laughs> You know, they 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 that seemed to be the the two major notes is it's got under two hours and the tone it needs to be lighter, jokier, more like the Marvel movies, and that is just a false equivalence because there's no it's, jokier and lighter isn't just better than dark and, and serious or or conversely like that's yeah. that's not true. That is it's what kind of story are you telling? What does the story mandate? And looking at the two side by side, uh, one feels long <laughs> right but natural it's not paced so fast trying to get every point across that you can't keep up it's naturally paced so you're right there with it and everything is given its appropriate weight sometimes things are given too much weight there is it still has its own pacing problems in a different way and there may be it has everything in the kitchen sink maybe there's a couple edits there but overall it feels so much more confident because it has all its pieces together the other one it feels like a montage well, the biggest word that I saw time and time again looking into this is they said the first one is a Frankenstein movie. It's everything <laughs> pieced together, and that's exactly the truth. Yeah. And so people said, oh, this is two, three, four different movies crammed into two hours when it was originally you know, this yeah. whole outline of a five-film series, or then it was three films, and then it was two separate ones, and now it's one from two different people. So that became the backlash of this whole thing was since it came out and did so horribly, fans pushed for his original release, knowing that he had completed a lot of it, if not all of it, and there was some sort of a rough cut somewhere. It was working towards something that was not delivered. Right, And exactly. the pieces for that were around. The pieces for that existed. Here we are. It's really fascinating, this, this fan drive, to have this have this done because it came out of nowhere it seemed to be like a pipe dream of the oh, classic hashtag this hashtag release the cut you know but then suddenly in may of 2020 they said hey we're releasing it we're working on it cost an additional 70 million to complete because they added the score editing additional things remote work additional filming try you know putting it all together completely different score and soundtrack I <laughs> and then, mean, it yeah. cannot be a more yeah. different movie it cannot be a more different movie and almost every single scene that it shares could not be tonally <laughs> more 180 degrees different uh fans rejoice this thing has come out and just in terms of explaining where this sits because i i love the numbers of this the dc extended universe versus the marvel cinematic universe since 2008 the marvel cinematic universe had 23 films come out and wow. Since 2013, the DC universe has had nine. Wow. And which of those can you recall scary. that were like, oh, yeah, that was amazing. But there is a thing that my brother told me about, which he's more privy to in the comic book scene, and that's there's a great shared universe of it all on the CW with Greg uh, yes, Berlanti, yes. Who, who did Dawson's Creek and 
most recently we talked about him with Love Simon and that world he directed that, mm-hmm. but he he is kind of the mastermind of the CW and they have the Green Arrow and the Flash and Supergirl and all yeah, I was those. watching this film going like how bizarre it must be over in DC that they have these like this other universe that is bifurcated even but and they have like several people playing the same superhero like they even there's Superman and Lois is a brand new show <laughs> right. out on the CW it's a totally different people playing Superman and Lois and and, and it goes across the board they have different people playing these characters I think mean, there's a different flash yeah yeah and, well and we so can talk I, about how that actually makes sense with them and what yeah. this there's this guy Gardner Fox and he came up with some of that but let me hold on to that put a pin sure. in it some of the other stuff that either did or didn't work because and I also I'm like well this seemed like a nightmare. Have they tried to do this before? <laughs> like we talked about with our Stan Lee episode, which I'm sure we'll reference again. Right. But here, there was a failed TV pilot, which you can't find. It's it's a bootleg thing, but I'll post a link to a video where this guy kind of dissects it, and it's hilarious and horrible. But it was called oh, Justice League of America. It was in 1997, unaired in the US, only aired in a couple countries. Oh, good. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Because they didn't have the rights to Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, or Cyborg. But we're going to do it anyway. So they had the Flash and they had some, you know, Green Lantern, but it's horrible, horrible (laughs) effects because it's 1997. And then there's this also weird secondary gimmick to it where they're doing mock interviews with them as civilians about superhero life after. Like this has happened in the past and now it's a documentary also. Very bizarre. Oh, Um, man. So that was something that they they tried and failed tonally oh. again. And then the big one that actually succeeded was the animated series. And then there was another part of that called Justice League Unlimited. And all that went through from 2001 to 2006. Good. There was only one because we talk about the Avengers as this pinnacle of filmmaking for this kind of thing. There the was genre of superhero. Which exactly. Is, you know, 20 years ago, you'd be like, what do you mean genre? But <laughs> now it is a full flip here. It's, it, it is, man. Yeah. It, is, it is one of the biggest things we got. So I was curious, did this ever intermix in any way? And there were a few isolated things of like, Superman fights the Hulk or something like that, where there'd be right. very limited, but there was a precedent one, for the matchup, the team yeah. up, there the was squad. <laughs> there was one crossover comic, Justice League and the Avengers, all of what? them in there. It ran for two issues. Now that's the movie we got to have. <laughs> God. <laughs> so this is a comic that exists, uh, came out in 2003, which seems very recent for all this, but remember- Right, by 2003, X-Men and Spider-Man, the first yeah. one, you know, the Hugh Jackman X-Men and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, both the first ones have come out by then. Yeah. <laughs> That's about so this it. this was a comic book that came out, but get this, it had been in the works since 1979, but there were so many oh, man. editorial disputes to get this done. It probably will never happen again as it relates to the Justice League and the Avengers, or maybe even any of them. Well, that's why we had to get this cut out. <laughs> Yeah, because the other one could not stand. We couldn't let that be it, I guess. No. Yeah. <laughs> now, where this came from and looking up the Justice League, it says, oh, it was created by this guy, Gardner Fox. Hardly anything out there about him. He's like, if we can compare it to Stan Lee when he starts his thing being like, we got to do something different. We got to do superheroes different. It's like, this is the guy <laughs> that he's trying to be different from. So it's even more context for the marvel superhero world that we know 
And so I looked this guy up and literally the third search result on Google is Gardner Fox Architects or something. Like he's there's not much to him even though as we'll see he's been massively influential. And then I looked him up on YouTube thinking oh somebody's done some sort of a retrospective. And the top videos are about Senator Cory Gardner on Fox News. Oh no. There's there's hardly anything. <laughs> so here's where Justice League and combinations of superheroes actually come from. Okay. Is this guy Gardner Fox? Born in Brooklyn in 1911, at age 11, given The Gods of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs, which is the John Carter yes. sci-fi time yes. travel series, read them all, loved them, continues in life, gets his law degree, and practices for two years. But as we know in this time period, the Great Depression is continuing along, and so he needs some extra work. Mm. And one of his friends from elementary school, this guy Vin Sullivan, is an editor at what would then become DC Comics. Oh, wow. He knew that, I guess maybe secretly, this guy, Gardner Fox, was really into writing this type of thing. Asked him, hey, you want to you help me write comics? <laughs> Fox said, what are comics? Like He, he was not <laughs> into it at all. And he, I mean- <laughs> He ended up loving it, and that was kind of the thing. He liked lawyering, but he loved writing comics. And oh, so wow. he ends up doing both of these things. And like I said, DC was two entities at this at this time. It was both National Allied Publications and All-American, right. and they had not even gotten into superheroes, so right. he couldn't even give that to him. This was Action Comics, Detective Comics, and this is the start of the golden age of comics. So he started in Detective Comics number four under a pseudonym which it seems a lot of people <laughs> end yeah. up doing. And the first thing he wrote in it was a prose story. And this is exactly how Stan Lee got started, if you remember. He did that right. in the Captain America really thing. Right, this is feeling really super familiar. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they wouldn't let him do the actual thing, but it's like, hey, we need to fill this out, so just write uh, another short story. Because it was always a cobbled together anthology thing. Right. But bear in mind, Detective Comics number four, this is before Superman even exists. And as we get into... The end of this decade during World War II, Gardner Fox took on a bunch of different roles building in the industry since other people got drafted. So he worked oh, yeah. for, he actually worked for Timely Comics with Martin Goodman as well. The classic guy from our Stanley episode that's oh, like, yes. what's popular? What yes. are we doing? All so he works with him as well and contributes to Western sci-fi romance, all the different genres. But his big start comes from Batman as he's working with what will then be DC Comics. Bob Kane and Bill Finger created him in Detective Comics number 27 in 39, and Fox began with them two issues after. Right, okay. He's actually the first writer assigned to Batman Gosh. outside of them. So it, they also say he may have been more of a ghost writer than we know as, hmm. as to how much he actually worked on this and, and contributed. Okay. The things we do know that he contributed, and this blows my mind because you think of as we get into this, oh, this is a classic. Well, it was this guy. So the first use of the utility belt, he came Whoa, up with really? that for Batman. <laughs> yeah, the Batarang, which is yes. a, which is like a classic implement. It's almost his you know weapon of choice. The Batarang he came up he with. Went, he needs gadgets. Yeah, guys. yeah, that's guys. The, he needs gadgets. <laughs> that's this guy exactly. And then he worked with them for issue thirty three. And this is the origin story: how he came to be the mugger killing Thomas and Martha Wayne. He came up with all that as the writer. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then you're talking about the gadgets. He gave Batman the lab where he develops gear, which then became the Batcave. 
So this is what? his whole jam. Oh man, he's 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 added integral elements here. Yeah, it's so, amazing. And and this is where he shifts into becoming just the comic guy. He loses the lawyer stuff. That's enough. <laughs> because he is the co-creator writer of the flash he is the one who came up with that superhero oh my gosh which i don't know if you knew that Why did i did not no good lord he, uh, he started the flash in january of 1940 flash comics number one it's its own thing and then also if you're into the justice league hawkman was the third story in flash comics number one. Oh man and this guy is crazy. Yeah. He's writing more than six stories in five titles per month, every month through the 1940s. This is where he debuts. This is the first superhero team in comics. This is the Justice Society of America. Now, bear in mind, the Avengers and the Justice League don't appear until the early 60s. Right. So 20, he's 20 years ahead coming up with this thing, the Justice Society of America. The society, baby. <laughs> exactly. Pull up a chair as a new administration. The names that I don't know in this administration, some <laughs> of them you do. Dr. Fate, Our Man, the Spectre, the Sandman, the Atom, but then Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, they're all in there. This is the original Justice Society. Oh, man. People love it because- Every comic before this was just, even if it was a Western or whatever, it was just one person in their own thing. And they're saying, let's put nine of them in there. <laughs> yes. The ones that are confusing. This is so funny because I'm imagining, I was, I'm going back to Zack Snyder's Watchmen and the uh, right. the evolution of the Watchmen group, um, the old pictures as members, and they go through time. It's, that's it's, it's so funny that that's what I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> yeah. One well, and, and what's funny about that too is because they took those. I think it was Charlton Comics. Yeah. But that was even from the '60s. That this is way before that as well. This is leaps and bounds ahead of its time. The ones that are missing, I didn't mention Batman and Superman. Which why right. wouldn't they be in there? But they already had their own standalone comics. They were also also still running in detective comics and action comics. Is and they said time to muddy the waters yet. <laughs> right. They said this we don't want to overexpose them to the public. Right. We there want we to keep the hype on them on their own things. I want to know what their throwaway yeah. characters were. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to know what characters like didn't make the group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of the, of the Justice Society. Yeah, because you know they, you know they, 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 the idea was like, okay, we'll keep this pride, these like the premium characters on their own. We gotta come up with, we gotta come <laughs> yeah. up with a whole boardroom of them. And I just want to know the ones that cut. Yeah, I'm sure it's in his <laughs> notes somewhere, yeah. or they got turned into something else. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. But the ones that are the ones that are seeing the superhero hype, timely comics which ha hasn't become Marvel yet, but they have Captain America, which was what we said Stan Lee started working on. Ah, they and got those that sort of name, things. baby. Ah, it's a good name. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody at DC slamming the table. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> How could they? Well, because this is also World War II, you know? They're like, why exactly, didn't we think exactly. of that? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this why is didn't when, we think of that? <laughs> this is when uh, Jack Kirby bails, because remember, he was working both sides, and so then he goes... <laughs> Yeah, I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So this is when they're like, "You can't do that." So then he goes to work for DC, and is and is <laughs> helping him choose. on this stuff in the forties. Yeah, they knew he was double dipping. putting both hands out. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love that. I forgot all of that. I love that. Yeah, and we talk about the ups and downs in our Stan Lee thing, but the popularity for superheroes wanes at the end of the forties. 
And right. pe- you know, because it's like World War II is coming in, people want not fighting, and you know, they want space, they want sci-fi, they want everything else. And so, Escape, yeah. this guy Gardner Fox writes for action comics, western comics, strange adventures, mystery in space, kind of similar to Stan Lee, where it's like, well, we got to do genre, what the people yeah. want, yeah, all over the place. He's also starting to write novels at this time as it rounds into the fifties. He's wow, he's yeah. he's got seventeen different pen names. He's doing a million <laughs> different things. What a madman! A madman. So now we get into <laughs> the Silver Age and to combat Goodman. With Timely Comics, the editor at DC is Julius Schwartz. He's there, Martin Goodman. He thinks of this concept and asks Gardner Fox to develop it because this is starting again, 1960. He's like, could we do the superhero team thing again? Could Let's you? Try it. Yeah, could you? Give it another shot. You know, get the boys back together. Maybe the characters that we had done, could we re-debut them in a different way? Could we modernize them? So then this is what re-debuts as the Justice League of America. In 60, mm. and now becomes the basis of the DC universe. We haven't talked much about G- Gardner Fox or like what makes him unique and what is his spin on these things. Yeah. So, one of the things that I found out about him, he's a polymath, which is just knows everything about everything. He said, Knowledge is kind of a hobby with me. He owned at least 2,000 books, voracious mm-hmm. reader. And was interested in educating, instructing youth in a lot of different things and found his way to do that through the comics. So Taylor, have you ever wanted to write a comic? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. This is the way to do it. So one of the things that he worked on was this character, Adam. And in a year's worth of this character's comics, he had referred to the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, talked about the space race, 18th century England, miniature card painting, Norse mythology. Numismatics, which is the study of currency. He's just Let's putting, go. <laughs> he's just a, a genius and is like, everybody needs to know about all this stuff. And especially kids. Like, where are they going to learn about all of that? Who knew Holding that they books? You don't know. <laughs> Who knew? Wait, that, listen. <laughs> that, that that kids would find out about all these varied subjects in the character Adam and his <laughs> he's more distressed every book he reads. He's oh my God, people don't know this. Yeah. <laughs> So the Justice League is his, what a wonderful thing for him to be working on. And then also because they're saying, God, we got to get to what the people are interested in as far as like the sci-fi bent, the right. what people liked. So this becomes where in this reinvigoration we get, and I didn't realize this, they adjust the superheroes and they come in with more sci-fi themes updating the story. So this is where hmm. Superman's powers come from the yellow sun versus his red sun homeworld, where Flash becomes a science accident in a lab ah. and and where Green Lantern gets his ring from an alien race. It's not a magic ring. Interesting. So I didn't realize that this is where he's the one who's also saying, let's do it more science-y, more sci-fi as well. Okay. Which now we okay. see echoed through Marvel stuff too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I wanted to bring in now the, the confluence of fandom because like we talked with Zack Snyder, that's where everything changed when the people are like release the Snyder cut we want I mean, to see to me, I mean when the when the tragedy happened I I never imagined I would feel so badly for him you know yeah like that that was it's such a tragedy that I think everybody was on his side after that and I, I think there was a lot of goodwill towards him uh, yeah to get this back into a state that is more appropriate uh, and to give him something really to 
something to do after after he spent time with his family. Um, but and he's constantly, it's, yeah, he's constantly it's a beautiful connecting, thing. connecting with his fan. Like there, is, where do you see people like Christopher Nolan? But I doubt they're going to buy t-shirts for suicide prevention if he posts it on his Instagram. You know, like right. he just has a different connection to the people that like his style and his vision and, and everything that he's working on. Yeah. So in the original Justice League, this is in issue number four, there are letters to the editor from a bunch of different people. These are all the same guy under different pen names, <laughs> the master fan. Good. And this me. is like the start <laughs> of fandom. It's this guy, Jerry Bales, known as the father of comic fandom. <laughs> the father of fans. It's <laughs> Jerry. <is>. Yeah. Good <laughs> old Jerry. So he wrote in to rebuild his, he wanted to get a personal collection of all the early issues of all-star comics from before the Justice League had even happened. And okay. this is the Justice Society and all this stuff. And finally convinces Gardner Fox to sell him his copies that he has. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. It for his collection. There's like originals of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever, I guess. Gardner Fox gets another fan writing in asking like hey what are what can i do you have these original all-star comics and he's like no i just sold them to this guy jerry let me give you his address and so within five oh. months these two guys have exchanged a hundred pages of correspondence oh and clearly gosh. are the super fans of superheroes <laughs> and this guy bales did everything to fool this editor julia schwartz like in terms of like getting his name and asking about stuff, including mailing yeah. letters from all over the country under different names. Oh my god! <laughs> he was he was the super fan. He he was the one who petitioned for the monthly publication of Justice League of America, which then ended oh, up man. happening. And then he he ended up founding one of the earliest superhero comic fan magazines, which we talked about fan magazines in the punk scene, where we talked about right. with Moxie. But with he's Moxie. the founder of the one called Alter Ego. The editor, Julia Schwartz, actually warmed up to him and had given him advice on because he had worked in the science fiction fan magazines in the 30s. I see, and so he I had see. given him also an insider's edge because he gave him advanced knowledge of events, upcoming new launches, access to the writers and creators. Keys to the kingdom, babe. He also wanted to figure out who was doing everything because a lot of times things are not credited properly. So he indexed, documented, microfilmed over 500,000 okay. pages. And uh, DC had this thing, the 50 who made DC great, and he became an honorary member of... I mean, I was just thinking he's doing the work that nobody else there <laughs> saw any value in. Yeah. yeah, it just reminded me so much of... And this is the inception of fandom as it relates yeah. to comics, this guy Jerry. Well, um, and he, it seems like he has a lot... He contributed so much of what he saved, <laughs> of what, yeah. what happened, you know, like the history of, of at least what he was privy to. That's yeah. amazing. He was the first... He he treated it more seriously than they did. Exactly. That's what I mean, is they didn't understand the value of what he was doing. Uh, it's only now <laughs> that you would have that perspective on it, but he, that, but he knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think also, and this is somewhat apocryphal, but it, this Justice League... That Gardner Fox puts together and revitalizes leads to the creation of Marvel's superheroes because mm. the Marvel timely owner, Martin Goodman, had heard in 61 how well the Justice League was selling. And he's always throwing out ideas to Stan Lee here. And he says, Hey, do a team of superheroes. <laughs> and so this is where, this is like we said, where Stan Lee was on his last legs. He's like, We're not doing well. I'm going to do it my way. This is the type right. of story I'd enjoy, you know, relatable personal characters, all right. that stuff. 
Also, funnily enough, here we go, November of 1961, Jack Kirby had come back again, and this is the first thing they work on, is Fantastic Four, number one. They do the Marvel method. Yes. He's hopping ship back over to them again. (laughs) I love it. For all this this stuff. Oh, my God. So part of – and this might get a little into the weeds of superhero stuff, but I think it's worth mentioning because it does affect – how we look at it now because like you said it's like how do they reckon the cw's universe right with what they're trying to do with Zack snyder's thing so multiple people playing superman lois what's i mean like how do you keep that i mean and how do you expect your audience to keep that straight or do you or yeah you know is each thing supposed to be taken on its own it's uh this is the very question that gardner fox has with because he had done the justice society and it's all part of DC Comics. He's like, how are we going to reckon this with the new? And it's the same here. Like we've done the Flash, but now this is a different Flash. Right. How are we going to do this? So he, in Flash number one twenty three, he comes up with a story where the Golden Age heroes are on a parallel Earth, and the current Flash, which they've recreated, visits the nineteen forties Flash. And this is the oh start God. of this is the start of the multiverse. Oh Which my now God. we've seen. So he's the one who comes up with that. Now we see it everywhere. The new Spider-Man had the whole multiverse thing where it's like there's different spider characters right. in different alternate worlds. And they do that in the Avengers. And yeah, it's, 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 it's like a, it's it's kind of <laughs> for, at least for the last like few years, the last five years or so that started to emerge more and more and more. But, and I know that it's in the comics to some degree, but this is amazing that this is the first instance yeah. of it. He's I mean, fir- it really comes down to the to the question that we all are like, how are they going to, how are we going to, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, the well, multiverse. Well, yeah, it's different. Well, kind of open up our minds a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So he is continuing to do all this stuff, is behind the Justice League for the first eight years and then leaves in 1968. Gosh. He also continued to return to writing Batman in 64, and he was responsible for reintroducing the Riddler and Scarecrow after there was a lull in that. And then again, creating for Batman, he created the character of Batgirl or Barbara Gordon because the TV producer who was doing the series with Adam West wanted a female counterpart, but they said it's got to come from the comics first or in conjunction. So what are you going to do? So he came up with that. Oh, cool. And then he left, this is kind of sad, but he left DC in 68 when he left the Justice League because they were being really crappy to the older workers there and they were unwilling to give them health or other benefits or anything like that. They just refused. And then they also pulled him from his editor that he'd worked with so long, that guy Schwartz, he couldn't work with him anymore. So he just said, I'm done. And uh, what's interesting, again- Kirby comes back to DC in 71. Where you been? Uh, uh, nowhere. <laughs> Just been creating all the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, go around. <laughs> but the thing he comes in with in DC, now he's the writer, creator. He's not just doing the artwork. And he launches a series called New Gods, which has Dark Side and the Apocalypse Planet, which is all what the new Justice League movie is based on. He, this uh, character yes. is added by Jack Kirby and becomes the arch enemy of the Justice League for all time. Oh my God. So he's always, Kirby is weaving his way in and out of this story. <laughs> I love Kirby um, so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Gardner Fox continues. He, he just says, well, I'm not going to retire. I'm just going to keep writing since he'd been writing all these novels on the side in all these different genres. Mm-hmm. 
so he continues to write and then he dies in 1986 and he had written over 4,000 comics, come up with 88 different characters. Oh my gosh. And then on the novel side had written 160 books. Oh my God. We didn't even talk about that, but yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other literary career we didn't mention. (laughs) 160 books in sci-fi, spy, crime, fantasy. My work. Yeah. He's a madman. So it's estimated that he has he had written over fifty million words in his career. And he kept me out of jail, <laughs> basically. <laughs> kept me, better than being a lawyer. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I mean, you God, he just he. I mean, he found his thing. You gotta love that man. You yeah. gotta love that when somebody just you know. I I think I love this. And the thing that pulled him along in terms of his legacy, which I think is overlooked because it becomes the standard now, but it was. Like I said, it was educating kids on random stuff that he thought was interesting, but also kind of educating Mm -hmm. on the morals of humanitarian friendship, all these concepts, especially in the war period. So the Justice Society, there's plot lines where they're raising money for war orphans or they're treating veterans coming back from the war and how you should do that or even providing information about the war through comic books because perhaps that was the only way kids would get it or their parents didn't want them to be bogged down by that in the media or the newspaper or whatever. And it's like his idea of superheroes being the upstanding citizen has kind of fallen out of favor. And now we have these darker, you know, but it was like, that was the origin was from him. And that was his whole onus for continuing to do this. It's amazing that I feel like I've never heard his name before. I know. And he seems to, I mean, so wildly influential. I know. Yeah. Uh, And I think (laughs) his style even might make a comeback where it's like, we don't, Maybe people are getting tired, especially after the pandemic, of like this cynical. Like we want some hopeful, good, maybe yeah, good heroes that are doing the right. I think that came through with Wonder Woman. We need um, some redirection, right? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. That's that, and that and that still exists in in this film too. Is that 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 aura that kind of follows that character is still really alive in this, and they expand on that some more. So you had said, God. Nobody knows this guy. Like DC does a yeah. horrible job of honoring their creators. <laughs> and we know Stan Lee because he has the gift of gab and is willing right. to be that face of it. There is though, and this is wonderful that it exists, in the new Zack Snyder version of Justice League situation with the Flash, mm-hmm. in the movie, he stops a truck from hurting somebody. And on yeah. the truck, the business is a gardening business and it's called Gardner Fox. So that is the smallest, but what a, what an amazing mm. you know yeah. illusion or reference to him that yeah. it's like oh he's in there, it's it, yeah it's just wild that I'm like how did he do all this and then and he's not more well known, I mean of the, uh, the utility belt, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, or even in the in the case of this like we talked about the uh, you know the Justice League and then they're trying to do it again and Zack Snyder's like that's not my version and it's like he did both he did both the justice society and the redo right justice he came League. back for the remake <laughs> yeah he, 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 he took his mind through the portals of time and space it's like it's a multiverse <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's amazing oh my gosh yeah well thank you taylor yeah thank you Go uh, check out the movie. It, I just wanted to say real quick. I mean, it was interesting. Again, I mentioned at the, at the very top, but it was really cool having this six 
part chapter thing. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's, you know, as far as it being four hours, don't let that stop you. If this is kind of, if you're, if you're even kind of thinking about this and you're not sure, uh, break it out into the chapters. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting to, to mm. have something on this scale. I mean, who knows what this is going to do for filmmaking going forward, breaking down the doors of when these kinds of things are, are over. I mean, we thought that you know, George Lucas was like tampering with, <laughs> with the, with the golden box by reopening up the star Wars back in nine in the nineties. But now we're really ours. Like when we, we could, you could open up anything. You could spend 30 more <laughs> million it, dollars yeah. on a movie that was made 30 years ago. <laughs> I don't, you know? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what kind of precedent this could set going forward. Um, and with streaming, but, there's no deadlines or there's only this many seats exactly. in a theater. Yeah, you can, you know, for, for things like this, let's forget about run times and theaters. It's like, well, it's it's on streaming. You can pause it and come back to it. It's got chapters. I mean, we can think about <laughs> it in a whole new way. Yeah. What a beast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, check us out at Pod on Instagram. And we will catch you next week. Yeah.